So I'll just start by saying that I'm recording under duress because I have a song in my head and it's Nickelback, How You Remind Me. <laughs> oh. But the lyrics are in Greek. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bolsby and Melissa Kirscher. Listeners to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. <laughs> I am one of your co-hosts, Wendy, joined as always by my co-shenanigator, Melissa. That's right, that's you. It's and- me. It's me. It's me, Melissa. <laughs> and hey. we are back to just chat about some movies that we've watched recently. That's what's mm-hmm. going to go on. Yeah. And then maybe talk about some joyful things also. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited, Wendy. I'm excited to talk this week. What the world needs now is joy and movies. <laughs> movies and it's joy. <laughs> and joy and movies. Anyway. Yeah. So um, let's see. I have, uh, I have such a thing to share with you, Wendy. I, oh, Wendy. I, I'm, I want to talk about mine first because okay. Okay. I feel like give, I know what you want to talk about. And I feel mm-hmm. like let's start with mine so we end on a high note. In such a high note it is, my friend. Oh, um, <laughs> so after talking about the Oscars last week, uh, we, of course, had an ice storm here in Austin that resulted in me having three days off in the middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, with, yes, some power outages along the way, but, mm-hmm. um, eventually, uh, everything got sorted. Our internet did finally get turned back on. And for whatever reason, I thought what I'd like to do is watch a classic film about the futility of war. That's what's <laughs> going to make me feel better right now. Perfect. So, Anyway, I watched All Quiet on the Western Front, the new Netflix movie that is, of course, up for both Best Picture and I believe also up, it, it was, no, it's not up for international, is it? But it was Germany's submission. I believe it was. And now I can't remember because my memory is toast. that of a goldfish at the moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely toast. Um, so I, and I know, I feel like I did watch the... Um, I think I watched the 1979 version at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like I did. Or maybe it was because there's a 1930, which did win the yep. Oscar in 1930. That is the classic. Everybody knows. There's a, it's pretty great. And I feel like there was a made-for-TV one from the 1970s. And I saw that there was one from 1979. So I feel like maybe I saw that. I know that mm-hmm. I am familiar with this story. I, like, I believe I, there's also a book. Isn't there a book? Oh, yeah. It's based on a book. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's based. I on probably a book. read it in eighth grade, or something like that. And I, it's somewhere in the, in the mists of time, back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Melissa, yeah, maybe I just read the book and never saw any other version. because <gasps> I think I did read the book. Okay. I mean, who knows? We're at an age, Melissa. Where, we are, where our brains are just slowly turning to goo. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So. I want to say first off, it's gorgeous. Like Ooh. it I mean it really it's really the way they're shooting it, it is so well done. Like it's it's a pleasure to look at even though it's mostly mud. Um and like but for all that like when I like the shot composition like there're some good there's some really nice choices made but also the palette is pretty much brown and gray throughout yeah. and i and like unsurprisingly color is used sparingly and intentionally to do what mm-hmm. you would expect so i mean a little bit cliche but also like which Melissa, what would we think about a Technicolor war movie? A Technicolor noir movie? War. Like a Technicolor battle movie. War. A movie about oh, war. Oh, war movie. War movie. <sighs> because like 1917, yeah. like every all yeah. the directors who do films now about war, it's always very brown and sepia tones. Well, I mean, part of it is... A lot of the films are about World War One and World War Two, and there was a lot of mud. And I had like all I could think was like literally when I think World War One, I, I think trench warfare, mud. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. was it always so muddy? Was it just the climate and that much rain? Yeah, I think that's part of it, and also trenches. You know, you, you, you're digging in dirt, and therefore mud happens. Yeah, but like. There's a lot of, I suppose, the blood would cause well, mud. yeah, blood, and there's also explosions, lots and lots of explosions, kicking up dirt everywhere. Yeah. So there's a lot. If it's not mud, it's dirt. There's a lot of dirt. So, um, listeners, uh, if you've never seen All Quiet on the Western Front. Honestly, you probably should, and this is a really good version to watch. Um. Like you could find the old black and white 1930s, but I mean, this, this is very like, it's, as far as I remember, it's pretty faithful. What they do definitely nail is like that futility, but also Mm -hmm. it did make me think, um, because so obviously you start with these young schoolboys who are being encouraged to enlist literally at their school, their schoolmaster is like, go, you know, you're going to go save Germany. And like, it doesn't even get into how or why the war started, which I love, right? Because the focus is on the experience of war by these young men. And Mm -hmm. most especially the lens of, how we trick people into going to war with these ideas around patriotism and love of country and be a hero and all that. And then like, yeah, literally the rug gets pulled out from under them immediately. And they're just like, and one of them is even just like, I just want to go home. This is terrible. (laughs) Like, 
it's it's muddy, it's dirty, it's loud, it's scary. Like even before they get to the trenches, you can you can see the disillusionment. Um, right. So, and so then they get into the trenches, and of course, all, immediately people start dying. Um, but then we sort of jump forward eighteen months, and now you're seeing the experience of war of like in particular Germany's experience where they like, they didn't have the money. They were running out of money, out of supplies, out of food, like in occupied territories, food, how the people Mm -hmm. in those occupied territories hated them. And so it's just a really solid film, but also there was a part of me that wondered, I am so sorry. That's okay. Hold on one second. Okay. It's just going to be a lot quieter if I just let her in. Yeah. It did make me... Shut up. It did make me wonder when I got to the end, number one, This was one of the first films and stories to do this, right? Mm Because if the the first movie was made in 1930, when was World War I? It was, what, like 1917? 1914, 1917. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we know that World War I changed. It was a whole different way of, of... Warfare of warfare of Mm -hmm. and the trauma and the brutality and the chemical warfare and the mechanics and like entrench warfare was just a holy nightmare that was a terrible idea. All of Mm -hmm. that. And so and and it was fought for really murky, murky reasons. You know, there there wasn't this. uh, Europe got bored. Honest to God. Or, well, Germany got bored. <laughs> Let's be fair. But all of them, like, they were all, like, like all of them were m- more than happy to just dive right in, too. Like, I, I, I mean, that it firmly rests on Germany. Don't get me wrong. I, I know that. But, like, mm-hmm. all of them, all of the, like, they were all kind of, like, it's been a while since we've had a war. Wars result in us getting potentially getting more land and resources and, and, you know, colonies and and colonies and all these things. Let's, let's go to war and see if we can win. Like it's a D and D Mm -hmm. campaign or something. Yeah. But in, in the almost hundred years of movies since then, we've had Gallipoli and, um, Mm -hmm. Oh, like so many World War II movies of, that just mm-hmm. focus on the futility of war. And 1970, like in all of these movies, there is a part of me that sort of wonders, like, do we, do we still need to tell this story? Is it even, is it really still relevant? Because we don't, we don't do war like this anymore. No. And honestly... World War One, uh, it might it's it might as well be the Civil War for mm-hmm. people for like young people right now, right? 
because it's so... We're, we're already past the century mark on that. Yeah, it's so far removed. So it, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, it caused a lot of intellectual pondering in me of just what what is the relevance of this and why are we still making movies about World War One and World War Two? Like, well, why I are think, those safe bets? I think this one is interesting because this particular story in all of its iterations is because it it is the German perspective on what happened. It's Germany taking a look at itself and looking at what happened in the aftermath of all of this. And so it's, it's a fascinating perspective on this particular war. And, and especially since, you know, it's, it's a story that was written between World War I and World War II. And you kind of wonder, what did we really learn? We should have learned. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We, we really should have, but no. But, I mean, but no. and Daniel Brühl, who we all mm -hmm. know as uh, Zemo. Zemo? Zemo? Zima, the, the uh, malt beverage. It's not Zima. <laughs> he's so a it, must malt... be, it must be Zemo. Um, he's, I think he's Zemo. Zemo from uh, the MCU, right? And from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he's also from um, 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 Inglorious Bastards. Yes, and he's mm -hmm. been he's been popping up in lots of stuff. Anyway, so oh, Daniel, yeah, he's great. Oh, he's fantastic. So here he, he is. He was in. Uh, God, what was the movie? Uh, Rush. He was in Rush. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was. Mm -hmm. He was great uh, in Rush. Yeah. Um, by the way, he speaks six languages. Holy awesome. cannoli. Um, so here he is in one of his more native ones in a German mm -hmm. role. And he's playing one of the ministers that is going to meet to discuss armistice and surrender, um, which I love. I, I did know this, but I had forgotten. Like, they basically took... The French took a train and the Germans took a train and they met in the middle of the woods. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, there's something about that that's so quaint and charming, yeah. weirdly. Mm -hmm. And there, there is a really good, like, you see Daniel Brühl, um, like, early in the movie being like, we are losing so many every day. We cannot, we, we literally don't have enough people. We're, we're going to, you know, we're, we're murdering generations for this war, for why we need to stop. And then it's like 18 months later, and clearly that they didn't. Um, and so, but he's the one when they're meeting with the French, and of course, the French, the allies are just saying your unconditional surrender, and very punitary, very, you know, mm -hmm. very punishing terms. And it's his character that's like, this is going to cause more problems, right? Mm -hmm. you, your need to punish us, have some mercy for your enemy. We, cause we are broken. We like, we don't have any money. We don't have any food. And if you do this, then your enemy, it, your enemy is just going to hate you even more. And they're like, fuck mm -hmm. you don't care. And we know, <laughs> we know yeah. what happened with that eventually. And of course the, the ending scene Sorry, kind of a spoiler, but not really, because that's how these movies go. You can see it coming from a mile away, which is this one stupid German commander who's like, oh, on the 11th hour of the 11th day, 
um, its weapons down. So let's get one quick charge in before that. Mm -hmm. So we can, so we can go out fighting. And when, when I say we can go out fighting, he of course makes the, gives the order and then just sits in a house behind the lines. Yeah. And so you have to watch your protagonist and all these other young men, some of them fresh recruits who have just gotten there. Like, no, even though it's a ceasefire, even though everybody knows that it's an hour until we're done and weapons are down, pick up your guns and go shoot people. Mm. Pick up your guns and go. And, and go get killed. In the last yeah. minutes before we stop this. And it's so... It's heartbreaking, but also, like I said, if especially if you're our age, like if you've never watched these kinds of movies, like it, it would be so affecting. But like I know this pattern because I yeah I enjoy war movies. I do. I think there's like it's weird to say I enjoy them, but you know they're full of drama. They're full of often full of great characters, conflict, but also just. I think it's important to expose yourself to them so that you have, so that we can use movies to give us that clear eyed vision of the truth of war. Yeah. And, and also, you know, war movies, you know, for us, you know, they're exciting and there's something about, you know, bravery in the face of battle and blah, 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 blah. But also, you know, the history aspect is always so interesting to me and like, what country is telling this narrative and mm. how, how do they view war, this war from their perspective? Like there's a, like a six film series that was made in Japan. Um, I think it was just after world war two. That was about their involvement in Manchuria. Oh that, yeah. That is some fascinating stuff, but that's like 10 hours of movie to watch and it's it's a fantastic meal but oh boy that's a week long project to watch that um it's called the H human condition it's great but yeah i mean and that's but that's yeah there, there's that's why yeah, i love ahead. movies um about historical things because often like you know the movie can do even if it's fictionalizing a lot what it is t still giving you is a perspective in a place and time that you may not have known about. Like, mm -hmm. um, like the number of movies that I have not, not that it, like it's some huge catalog, but I've seen like two or three movies now about the, the occupation of like the Japanese occupation of China or oh, yeah. the occupation of Korea, right? The, these different, and we don't know about these because we live in this in America in the insular West and, you know, fuck the rest of the world. We don't care mm -hmm. about your history, but they're fascinating. And even though the stories are fiction, they're still telling you about They're still, you know, I'm still learning about, Oh, I had, I don't think I even knew that that was a thing that was going on. Yeah. Oh, now I want to go learn more about it. So, Oh God, it's especially, movies that are made about kind of the, the fringe battles of World War II, stuff that's happening nowhere near Europe. Yeah. That stuff's wild. That is just wild. Yeah. So anyway. So yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I, I give it a thumbs up. I think it is a worthy film to watch. I think it is really well made. Um, I'm just, uh, 
sociologically curious about this particular genre and how how much longer this genre remains relevant? Well, humans are stupid that way. We'll always have more war, I think. Well, I should be more clear. Uh, yeah, we're going to have more war films for sure. But mm-hmm. like, how many more World War One stories are we going to get? <laughs> yeah, fair. And like, how fair. is the narrative going to shift as it becomes a t- like almost mythical, like in yeah. the way that we tell stories around about the Civil War, right? It's oh, I think we've already gotten to the mythical part of World War Two. Looking yeah, back. Oh, for sure with World War Two, but like. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody knows World War II, partially because it's the big one that's closer. Um, but like, people don't really know a whole, like, why did World, like, we all know why World War II started, but why did World War I start? Well, first off, it's because it's a complicated mess. <laughs> yeah. And because it was so dumb. To quote Benoit Blanc, is this <laughs> dumb? It's dumb. <laughs> well, God, I mean, there was, remember when the first Wonder Woman came out and they, didn't want to uh, rehash Captain America, so they had to change her from her origin story from World War II to World War One. And it's like, goddamn, that right there is interesting. Yeah, because the morality of World War II is much more concise. World War One is a fucking mess, and putting World Wonder Woman in the middle of that—that that is some interesting shit. Well, and so. also, it, it it's a better choice if she, you're saying like. I'm, I need to fight. I need to find Ares. He's what's causing this because mm-hmm. it's like, because realistically, if you just look at in World War One, it's like the Germans and the French and the like, every, like people are dying for no good reason. This is a stupid war. But if you were to put her, try to drop that in the middle of World War Two, like the Nazis and the French are fighting. Let's make them stop. No, we need we need to stop the Nazis. Mm-hmm. No, they're going down. To right. quote um, Avatar The Last Airbender, oh no, she's crazy. She needs to go down. Uh, <laughs> um, which is about Prince Zuko's sister, Azula. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So that those are some rambling thoughts on All Quiet on the Western Front. I'm excited to see it now. I mean, yeah. I was already interested in it because every time some sort of version of that story comes up. It's like, I'm interested. But uh, yeah, it's it's really good that we're talking about it now because it's like, yeah, I think I need to fit that one in before the Oscars happen. I, I really do want to catch up with it. Yeah. Um, and oh, by the way, the, the protagonist, our lead character, Paul, the young man playing him, Alex Kammerer, it's his mm-hmm. film debut. Ooh. And he... Ooh. He carries the movie with these very big expressive eyes he he does a great job yeah so yeah i think you've got something to look forward there to there excellent i i am thrilled i am thrilled to be brought down into the the mud of war the mud and the muck and ooh, honestly i have such a visceral reaction of just like they land in the mud and it's all in their face and all i can think is Wipe your face. Wipe your face. Wipe your face. Like, oh my god. That so would you drive wipe me your face. crazy. <laughs> it would drive me crazy. Oh yeah. Um so So what did you anyway. see, Melissa? Now I am going to uh discuss the thing that will make you very, very happy. But first, since we got into this discussion, 
I watched another movie that dovetails into this discussion and is also very, very good. Oh. So um, I have a weekly Criterion Channel meetup group on Discord. And uh, dear listeners, if any of you want in on this stuff, contact us. We'll add you to the group. You can join us in Discord and all you need is a Criterion account so that you can watch movies with us. Anyway, um, what we watched last week is a movie called The Ascent, 1977, made in the Soviet Union. What? About it, Directed by a woman, and I forget her name. I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I'm, I'm poorly prepared. But um, she had a very short but wonderful film career, but died at age, I think, 41 in a car accident. So this is like her one thing like in art film circles is very well known. So it's called The Ascent and it is set in the middle of winter on the Eastern front of World War II. And the Russians, there's like a Russian unit stuck in the woods. They have no food. The Germans are overtaking them. So this is before the Russians started pushing Germany back behind the lines. And these two soldiers, like a corporal and a private, I think it was, they go uh, tromping through like hip deep snow, trying to find a village so they can find some food. Because literally everybody in this unit is eating like a spoonful of grain per day. So they're going off to find food and uh, it's... Nobody has food and, you know, they're, it, it winds up, they wind up exchanging uh, uh, shots in a firefight with some passing Germans and one of them gets shot. And it's just this kind of dramatic slog against the winter and the war and, you know, being hunted. And um, it is this amazing drama about these really hard circumstances and um, it kind of, it's one of those movies that kind of plumb the depths of humanity. <laughs> wow. And, well, yeah, I mean, it, it is Russian. But it is Russian. And it seems like it's going to be just kind of this slog. But somewhere around the halfway point, things click in where the real moral dilemmas come up. And... Um, there, it's kind of like when you watch Schindler's List. Yes, it's hella depressing, but there's also hopefulness at the end, and there's there's kind of that at the end of the ascent, especially how these two characters kind of have these diverging paths and how they view their circumstances. So okay, yeah, it's it's fascinating. It is on Criterion right now. It's filmed in black and white, 1977, and it's a really complex movie made by the Soviet Union about their involvement in World War II. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so now, on to happier things, but also, we'll, we'll, we'll key into the, the war, uh, <laughs> the war theme. <laughs> okay, we've got a theme. So, so this, is the, this is the thing that I know Wendy wants to hear about. This is, yes, this is something I desperately want to bring to you, Wendy. Wendy, for Groundhog's Day, because uh, my husband and I, we celebrate Groundhog's Day instead of Valentine's Day. We always do a dinner and a movie. One pays for the dinner, one pays for the movie. 
And that's our date. That's our Valentine's Day. So we had dinner and a movie. We went to Pathan. Pathan is a Bollywood film. It is in a shared universe with, uh, I think, three other films right now. And there's another one coming out later. But it's this one director who has been making these spy movies in Bollywood. And at the outset of making this film, he decided, why don't we all make the uh, previous movies a shared universe? And now we can start crossing over characters. So it's kind of a retroactive Fast and Furious of of super soldiers. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And, And this movie, I feel like, looked at Tamil and Telugu movies and said, Let's do that in Bollywood <laughs> because it is absolutely redonkulous action. Well, so y- yay. And yes. yay, finally, because I mean, clearly, like, um, Tollywood has been getting noticed, and people are like, this is so much fun. And don't get me wrong, you mm-hmm. know, I love classic Bollywood, you know, I love, oh, yeah. you know, the traditional Bollywood, but what, what, Hollywood brings to it just that bonkersness. Like, mm-hmm. yes, please. It's Pathan is absolute pure action insanity. It was amazing. And by God, if you can find it in a theater, go see it in a theater. Because wow. Anyway, the whole the the movie starts off. Um, something happens about Kashmir. Hey, there you go. So, you know, Pakistan. The, all the Jammu and Kashmir stuff, disputed territories, etc. Um, a guy on the Pakistani side says, we're going to get our revenge on India. Ta-da! And then the next scene is this, is a scene where um, this one guy is being interrogated and he's being beat up and he's tied to a chair and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, his hair is all over his face and oh. it's very dramatic. Oh. And... <laughs> And, you know, the guys are beating him up and, and he goes, he, he comes back with the cool stuff. Oh, you can't hurt me. Blah, 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 blah. And then he like superhumans, not really superhuman. He's not actually superpowered, but he might as well be. He gets out of the chair and he flips the hair up and it's like, oh, Shah Rukh Khan. <laughs> and, and then suddenly the, the wind machine kicks up from no from nowhere you know they're in a room but somehow there's a wind machine only on Shah Rukh blowing his hair back you've never seen his hair so glorious oh and, he has you know, glorious his... hair <laughs> glorious oh windy oh, oh windy so anyway you know the action scene action scene he takes over chopper which is still inside he's flying oh. <laughs> flying a, a chopper indoors there are guns there's ridiculous uh rescues there... and then that's like scene number two and then we proceed from there. So it's about kind of this elite squad of spies in India trying to um, get after uh, this uh, general that has gone rogue. And they, oh, no, some sort of bioterror weapon has gone loose and we have to go find it. And there has to be a heist. And then uh, let's go to Mallorca and have a uh, dance scene because, you know, we need we need music. We need we need a Bollywood dance number. Yes. And then <laughs> and then more gunfire. There's so many guns in this movie that anyway, it is ridiculous. And um, this is the first movie that Shah Rukh Khan has made in five years. And dear listeners, if you're not familiar with Shah Rukh Khan, he is um, 
he is basically the biggest movie star in the world. He is the most recognized movie celebrity globally. Because he's and awesome. Because he's amazing. And he's in he's in his late fifties now. He's aging like Tom Cruise because my God, the man has been working out. He's gone trapezoidal. You remember <laughs> in um do you remember when Pain and Gain came out and like the, the even the rock bulked up for that, like regular rock, and then he hulked out? That's kind of what Shah Rukh has done. He's like oh. you could you could slice deli ham on those abs. It's incredible. Well, so I mean, anyway, he's been in he's been making movies for like three decades. I know, I know. He's aging well, Wendy, I'm just saying. Oh, he he is he aged oh yes. Oh yes. does he cry? He cries so beautifully. Oh, he does. He does. Oh, he does. There's a whole range of emotions. And of course, they do make you wait for it. But there is the Shah Rukh Khan move of <gasps> yes, flipping yes. open his shirt and then the wind machine turns on and it's just his chest flapping in the breeze. Oh, <laughs> uh, So yeah, there's Wendy, there's action, there's ridiculous action, there's more action on top of that. There's uh, dance numbers occasionally. Shahrukh Khan. It's everything you love. I can't. Everything you love. I can't wait. I can't you wait. You have to. You have I, to. Now I, I gotta will. go. It's my I gotta birthday. go watch the other ones. It's my yeah. birthday this coming week, so this might be my birthday present to myself. Yes. Yes, you should. Yes, you should do I this. Should. So, I looked it up online real quick because uh, mm-hmm. when you said shared universe, I was like, okay. First off, I don't. I didn't know this the director's name off the top of my head, but looking at, looking at his film credits, I do know some of his films because, of course, mm-hmm. I do. He was a writer for Salam Namaste back in 2005. And why that's interesting is that was a story, a Bollywood story about premarital sex oh and my God. abortion. It was very controversial. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember like there being a lot of what um, was it about abortion? I know it was about premarital sex. Um, yeah, because it because it's got pretty Zinta in it. Um, yeah, and I adore her. And then, but the other film that clearly ties into this universe is called War. Yep, and it stars Ritik Rashan. Uh-huh. It stars my rubber band man. I love him so. I, have I to hear s- I hear War is great. So I, I, I haven't watched it myself yet, but I will very soon. <laughs> well, I need to, yeah, I need to seek that out because if I could see that before, um, then that would be a hell of a double feature. Okay. Mm-hmm. <gasps> it's for rent. So- you can oh yeah. no it's streaming on prime mm-hmm. it's streaming so, on prime what i think i'm gonna watch so that. what i feel like pathan is this is my summary bollywood took all of the james bond movies and all of the most ridiculous sequences of the james bond movies mixed them up with amphetamines <laughs> wadded them up in a ball with Shah Rukh khan as the juicy center and that <sighs> is that is this movie that is this movie. Okay. okay. It's glorious. It's glorious. It's ludicrous. It's wow. Anyway. And my my dear listeners, track it down. 
Um, it should like we have a big um, Indian Hindu uh, population here in Austin, so we have theaters that are showing it. So mm-hmm. I should be able to see it in theaters uh, this week. Um, I just need to like make an effort. I was gonna do it last week, but uh, we had an ice storm. So yeah, that's there a problem. That. So yeah, I know here here up in the north, the Carasotes Theater chain. So like the Minneapolis Icon Theater was playing it and a few others in the region. So yeah. Oh, Find it if you can. I love you and so. And the nice thing about the world of streaming right now is that it's so much easier to get your hands on these movies once they go into streaming. So, um, anyway. Yeah. Also, just a Google search. That's a new fun- that is a function I love of Google. Granted, Google is everywhere and is a little bit evil but like just searching Pathan movie and it's like what would you like showtimes near you yes i would Uh i don't even want to have to go to another website just tell me (laughs) give me all the information google thank you ah i I do remember a world before google and man it was rough it was rough i remember a world before imdb and you'd just stare at somebody and be like what do i know them from what do I, I had from? books. I had books for that, Wendy. Oh, my God. I had, like, cross-references. I was a kid with some serious nerdery problems. So, you know, I had these these 500-page books that would come out yearly of all the movies that came out with their, their you know, the stars, and you can cross-reference them. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course you did. Of course, of course you did, Melissa. I did. Of course you did. did. It's so much easier to just IMDb this shit. So, Melissa, what has brought yeah. you joy this week besides Shavrut? Besides Shavrut? Mm, mm. I've been watching Poker Face, Wendy. Okay, I tried. I <gasps> when I when I say I tried, we watched the first episode. I very much enjoyed it, but. Um, it won't let me watch any more episodes without subscribing. Yeah. And I I did subscribe. It's like 30 bucks a year if you do it annually. So it's like, yeah, whatever. And you I, now, now here's the thing about Peacock, my dear listeners, that I hate. Because uh, it's Poker Face is an exclusive on Peacock channel. Um, you pay for it, but they still show you ads. See? And what? that makes me cry. That makes me weep for humanity. And it, it this just, is not okay. It's infuriating. Prime has Prime's gone that way too. Pro, like Prime used to be, like, it was a solid third, right? Behind, like Netflix, Apple TV, Prime. That was mm-hmm. like yeah. okay. It was solid. Like it had good stuff on it, and I didn't mind the interface. I hate Hulu's interface. Um, oh God, yeah. But now. Everything on Prime is like, oh, we can show that to you if you want to rent it. Oh, that's on freebie, so you're going to get commercial. It's like, what am I fucking paying for? At least with most of the stuff that I find on Prime, you there's usually a rental option to go through without ads. But anyway, yeah, but Peacock. I'm, I'm already paying for Prime. I know. For I know. fuck's sake. Anyway, I, I do want to. I did enjoy the first episode of Poker Face. So yeah, it's fantastic. There's five episodes now, and there's one more coming out this week, and I think it's a total run of eight. But oh, Wendy, it's great. It's I really, really great. like the lead actress. I really like yeah. her. Yeah, 
And also, yeah, she's wonderful. Adrian Brody, where's he been hiding? He's in the first episode, and I'm like, wow, it's been a minute since I've seen you, Adrian. Mm-hmm. What have you been up to, bud? Or is it just yeah, right? that Adam Driver took all your roles? <laughs> that might be the that might be the case. <laughs> I mean, I mean a little bit. I mean, they're not exactly the same vibe, but they're no. a little bit the same vibe. No, yeah, I, yeah. Why aren't they? Why don't they? Ha- oh, why aren't they both in a movie together? Right. I would <gasps> watch the hell out of that. Oh yeah, I would. Um, okay, so my joyful thing is, uh, for whatever reason, I remembered that I liked s- brown maple sugar, brown sugar and cinnamon pop tarts, and mm-hmm. um, they they were just perfect this week. They were exactly what I wanted. Aww. Brown sugar Hooray. and cinnamon pop tarts, all warmed up, like they're the perfect. Uh, midday lunch when you don't want to make lunch they're the perfect uh it's 11 o'clock and i need a snack maybe dessert brown sugar and cinnamon pop tart show oh they are joyful yes i agree i second that i love them <sighs> so that is our episode melissa we it did is. it again yay <laughs> Yay! Go us! Woo! Go, go us! Woohoo! Accomplishment! Yay! And I checked that box for the day. Tick, tick. So, listeners, um, thank you for joining us as Melissa and I chatted about some movies and And war. And war. (laughs) And war again. And then Shah Rukh Khan's abs, which honestly. That's a whole podcast. Um, so uh, we hope that you will join us again next week for whatever movies we talk about then. And Indeed. In the meantime, we wish you joy by way of cinnamon pop tarts. <laughs> I, I wish cinnamon, you the cinnamon pop tarts in war. <laughs> cinnamon, the cinnamon pop tarts for your soul, like the metaphorical cinnamon pop tart. That is what I wish yes. you. There we go. Yes. So once again, I have been Wendy, joined as always by Melissa. And we will see you in the Pleasure Dome next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com, follow us on Twitter at XanaduCinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. This is like an optometry appointment. <laughs> number one or number two? Number one <laughs> or number, number two. two. Right? Number two, number three. <laughs> <laughs>